Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we've got an exciting show lined up for you. It's one that looks at a theme that you may not have thought of. It relates directly to some of the health challenges that we're facing in our world today. Some might even argue that today's show is really dealing with all of those health challenges. The topic is actually an interesting one. We're calling it End Times Health War. Our guest is Steve Wahlberg. Steve is the Speaker Director of White Horse Media. Steve, it's great to have you with us today. Yes, thank you, David. It's good to be your guest. Now, once again, this is not the first time we've done a program together, and I'm glad to be back. Well, I'm glad to have you back. You generated a lot of interest, oh, probably about a year ago when we interviewed you at a, a live venue. You talked some about this relatively new book, End Times Health War, and I know a lot of our listeners were really engaged because you were speaking about simple, practical things that people can do today in the midst of what's really a, a true health crisis. That's right. And as the title of the book mentions, the word war, uh, we all know that there are many wars going on in the world. We think about America's war, especially against uh, ISIS and terrorism. And there's just all kinds of battles going on. This is a, We live in a battlefield uh, Democrats and Republicans are not always happy with each other, and uh, there's all kinds of opinions flying. And the purpose of my book is to bring this this conflict and this war down to the physical level, where we talk about our bodies and our immune systems and our health and our habits, because really uh, there is a war going on within us, a, a battle for our health. And I, I'm convicted that we need to be aware of this war, and we need to develop strategies and, uh, and utilize weapons to help stay alive and to end some suffering and to save ourselves some money and to be happier and healthier. So this is what this is all about, a war for our health. Now, Steve, what's interesting to me, and I think what will engage our readers and listeners, ultimately, hopefully, readers as well, is uh, your book is not just some theoretical book. You didn't just close yourself in a library and say, oh, hey, this sounds like an interesting topic, but this is really the chronicle of a deeply personal journey, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. The first part of the book talks about my little boy. Uh, today, he is 11 years old, but uh, when he was about three or four, he started having seizures, and it was, it was one of the most traumatic things that my wife and I have ever experienced, looking at our little, our little boy named Seth, and he was convulsing in the car and convulsing in his bed at different times. And so this book, is it deals with the journey and the struggle over trying to get a handle on, on what was causing his seizures. And then on top of that, uh, I've had my own personal health battles. I've, I've battled with high blood pressure and, and other issues, and I've come to realize that the struggle with my son's seizures and my own health struggles is really part of part of a war, and we needed to, again to develop strategies and to uh, find weapons to fight against these uh, these diseases and these difficulties that my own family has struggled with. You know, I appreciate the analogy of a war, but I'll be right 
you know, perfectly honest with you right from the, the first, Steve. A lot of people, I think, when they hear the title of the book, End Times Health War, I mean, it sounds a little bit on the edge. But we talk in medical circles, typically we use these analogies, even though we may not be using the word war, we say someone is fighting a battle with cancer. I mean, cancer, I think, is one of the classic ones where we use this war imagery. But you're saying this is not something limited to cancer. Any health issues that we're dealing with, there's some element of a battle going on. That's right. Even the common cold, when a person gets a cold, what happens is the immune system kicks in and goes to war against uh, whatever the virus or the bug or the pathogen is that gets into the body. And so the, the body has an immune system that has cells called white blood cells and, and other forces that go to battle to try to fight against disease-causing agents so that uh, the body can, can heal. And so we are really in a war. If you know more, you know, as I'm sure you do, you understand physiology as a doctor, you know about the immune system, and you know that there really is a battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a friend of mine, I don't want to go into details, but he just died just a couple of weeks ago, a fourth-stage melanoma. Uh, we've known each other for many years. Wow. He found out last August or so that he, he had this tumor inside of his head, and it was at fourth stage. And uh, the, the difficulty was that the doctors really found out about it too late, and there really wasn't a whole lot that they could do. They did, you know, everything, the family did everything they could do. But it was, it was a war against this thing, this thing that just grew inside of his nasal, his nasal uh, cavity. And eventually, it's amazing, uh, David, it actually started coming out of his nose. Oh, my. Wow. And it pushed his eye out and wow. uh, finally killed him. It just killed him about a week and a half ago. And so, I mean, if you talk to his wife, his surviving wife, she knows that this was, this was a terrible tragedy. This was a horrific thing. And it was a war with this, uh, this tumor that, you know, I thought about it. I thought, well, something finally stopped the tumor, and that was that he died. Mm. Uh, but it was, it was terrible, and you're right. We are in a battle. It's a battle against cancer. There's battles against high blood pressure. There's battles against uh, heart disease, battles against diabetes. Uh, people are struggling today. They're fighting. We're all fighting uh, one thing or another. And again, I think that looking at this in the context of war and that we need to have weapons to fight against these diseases uh, is, is very, very helpful. And the title being End Times, he said, well, it's a little bit on the edge. I think, generally speaking, a lot of people recognize whatever church or religion or uh, segment of society they're in, that we are living in what you could call apocalyptic times. We're living in, in momentous times where a lot of things are happening. And so I picked that title because it fits in with the generation that we're, we're in. Hmm. We're in a, a world where people are, are conscious of the fact that, that uh, big things are going on, and this is a battlefield. Well, you know, what's interesting to me, just as we're speaking about this, I've actually read your book, and, and for the record, I actually, I actually like the book. I think it's got a lot of great information in it. But, you know, it didn't connect until we're speaking about it right now, and that is often when we talk about diseases like high blood pressure and diabetes, we usually, at least in the medical community or even in the lay circles that I find myself and we usually don't use this terminology of a fight or a war and i'm as as we're talking what 
occurs to me, Steve, is we often don't use that language when we think we've got things covered. You know, we got the blood pressure pills and we've got the insulin and the medications for the diabetes. There's no war there because I've got it controlled with those three pills that I'm taking. Do you think there's some truth in that, that that's why this imagery is often not used in, in some conversations about certain disease processes? I think so. Like you said, people think they've got it covered. Doctors think they've got it covered, and patients often uh, settle into a complacency that if I take this medication or that medication, you know, I've got my blood sugar under control or my high blood pressure under control. But but still, the battle terminology uh, is used in the medical community. It is used by family physicians. Uh, just you know, the fact that we're well, I'm fighting a cold mm-hmm. or I'm fighting mm-hmm. a virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that we do use that terminology uh, enough. And I, again, I believe that that applies to all disease, that we are in a battle, whatever it is, whether it's cancer or hypertension or diabetes or the common cold. Uh, we are, our bodies have been designed with an immune system that has a very sophisticated surveillance you know, mechanism that it will detect certain things that come into the body and then go to war to try to kill and eliminate these things from the body. And as you know, uh, autoimmune diseases are where the immune system gets confused and it considers part of the person to be uh, foreign and Mm -hmm. to be dangerous, and then it starts fighting itself. That's an autoimmune Mm -hmm. disease. And so uh, I think the imagery and the terminology of warfare is very appropriate when it comes to what happens inside the body when we are dealing with any kind of disease. No, I think the point is great, and yet at the same time, I want to come back to your personal story because I can imagine a lot of my listeners have high blood pressure. I mean, we know the statistics. By the time we get into our 60s, roughly 60% of us have high blood pressure. So even though we're speaking across demographic lines, especially many First Nation peoples tuning into the show, but many non-natives listen to the program. And again, across the age spectrum. So let's talk a little bit about blood pressure because many people listening with high blood pressure think it's no big deal. They're popping a pill or two and their doctor is patting them on the back saying your blood pressure is under control. Now, as I read through the book, it sounded like on one level that was your story, but you weren't content with going the medication route. Can you give us a little window into that? Yes, that's correct. When I, when I reached my mid-50s, I started having some health issues, and I finally started taking my blood pressure and discovered that my blood pressure was quite high. And I tried to kick this on my own. I was very hesitant to go on medication, but as time went on, excuse me, I've got to get a little glass of water here. You know, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll speak for you while you're grabbing that drink. You know, we're talking about health, and you're writing about all these health principles. You've got voice problems you shared with me before the show because you've just been on one of your speaking trips, and I think you said just yesterday you were speaking something like five times in the course of the day. I just came back from Chicago, uh, in the area of Chicago, and I just had a weekend seminar, and I spoke uh, many, many times in a short time, and then I was traveling to get back home, and so... Sometimes I think my immune system needs a boost when I'm wearing myself out speaking. So I do have a little bit of a a voice issue, which hopefully won't be a problem as we keep on going. But uh, anyway, back to the hypertension issue and 
I mean, those that really understand hypertension know that what's happening is that uh, for whatever reason, there's many reasons, different reasons, the heart has to pump harder to get the blood through the, uh, the blood vessels to reach the cells so the cells can, can be nourished with oxygen and, and nutrition. And when the blood pressure is above normal, there is a, a, an unnatural pressure that is continually pounding uh, all throughout the body, including the organs. And it's a, it's a well-known fact that if people have high blood pressure for a long enough time, they're definitely increasing their risk for cardiovascular disease and for kidney disease mm-hmm. and, and many different kinds of disease because the, the blood is pounding against the cells and against the organs in a way that is, is not completely normal. And so really this, uh, this is, is a warfare within the body that is hurting the body. And so the question is, well, once you've discovered you have high blood pressure, then how do you resolve this, this and, and normalize yourself? And many times people choose to go on medication uh, as, as the mechanism of doing that. And it's also pretty common knowledge, and I think you can, you can probably share some more facts on this, that most medications have side effects. All and they're not, they're yeah. not completely safe. And so even though one, one problem may be uh, improved, it often creates other problems. Mm-hmm. And so the other problems are also part of the war. And I've chosen in my life to address this issue of blood pressure instead of with medication, but in a natural way to try to, through lifestyle, through strategies, through diet, through exercise, through drinking enough water and various things, to bring down my blood pressure so that there's no side effects uh, to to the choice that I've made, and you know, it's obviously a personal decision whether a person wants to go on medication or not. And of course, they need to be consulting with their their family physician. Mm-hmm. But regardless of what choice we make, again, I come back to the issue that this is is warfare. It's going on right. inside the body. There there are um, consequences to being out of alignment with the way our bodies were designed, whether that's high blood sugar or high blood pressure or uh, the, the cardiovascular problem of uh, the hardening of the arteries, et cetera, et cetera. And it just makes sense to me and to a lot of other people that we need to develop practical, simple strategies to try to, as much as possible, win the war, stay alive longer, go to the doctor less, save money, save suffering, and stay above ground as long as we can. Well said, Steve. Listen, we got to step away. We're going to go out to a break here just momentarily. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're talking with Steve Wahlberg, author of End Times Health War. He's going to be coming back with practical tips, things that you can do to make a difference as far as your blood pressure, your neurologic health, your health, whatever it is. Stay tuned. We will be back with more. I'm Dr. DeRose. Stay tuned. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. 
So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose. American Indian Living is the show. My guest today, Steve Wolberg. Steve is the speaker director of White Horse Media. Many of you may know him from his uh, television and radio work. You may know him from his books. He's got a number of books out there. The focus of today's show is a book called End Times Health War. In it, Steve chronicles his own journey and the journey of his son, Seth. I mean, Steve, it's bad enough when we have a personal health issue that we're dealing with. We feel like maybe there's things we can do, but when it happens to our children, our grandchildren, I don't know that there's anything harder in a family to see someone that you love, especially a younger person dealing with an illness. What was going on when Seth, your son, was diagnosed with epilepsy? Yes, and, and I totally agree with you that when it's happening to your kids, wow. Uh, Seth, when he was three years old, was in the back of our car, sitting in his car seat, driving down the highway, my wife turned around and saw him convulsing. Mm. And this was the first time that we had seen him having a seizure. And it was just, it was terrible to watch. I mean, it just ripped our, our hearts out. And this resulted in a lot of testing and finally a diagnosis of a form of epilepsy uh, that at first we tried to control with medication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And was the medication effective? I, I don't think so because uh, he continued to have seizures, although they were spaced uh, know, a number of months apart, mm-hmm. but there were other strange side effects. He would wake up typically an hour after he would go to sleep, and he would just be screaming and uh, just muttering wildly, and he would hold his hands over his ears, and he would cry, and my wife and I now think that this was, there was, this was 
was a side effect of the medication. And when we finally took him off the medication, those problems went away. So wow. uh, we don't really think the medication was a solution to his seizures. So basically, like we mentioned earlier, in your situation with high blood pressure, medications may control some of the manifestations of the disease. I'll tell you something I learned in medical school, Steve. Maybe my listeners have heard me say this before, but I'll never forget one of the professors during my medical training said to us, what class of drugs have no side effects? We're all kind of scratching our heads. And he said, they're called new drugs. And of course, his point was, when a new drug comes out, no one knows the side effects. They say, oh, this drug you know, is great. It doesn't have all the problems that the old ones have had. But unfortunately, every drug after a while becomes an older drug, and we realize that every single medication has side effects. doesn't mean that every person experiences those side effects. So like you're saying, the medication route may seem to offer help. And in some cases, I'll be the first to say as a physician that certain medications, uh, it's the best thing we know. It can be life-saving in certain circumstances. But uh, we're making a trade-off. And you saw that played out in your son's life and in your own life, didn't you? That's right. Seth was on medication for about a year and a half. And toward the end of that year and a half, he started having more seizures. And we were told by our neurologist to increase the medication. He continued to have seizures. We were told to to continue to increase the medication, and uh, and that's what brought me to to really the crossroads. And uh, I believe it was uh, it was providential. I believe in God, and I believe that God providentially led my family to another doctor who decided to run a bunch of tests on Seth. He tested his urine, his hair, his blood, and discovered that my son, at the age of uh, now by this time he was about five that he was very elevated in heavy metals like mm. lead and arsenic and cadmium. Wow. And we decided, uh, through the advice of this physician, that we would try to, to help him with his seizures by trying to detoxify him and get these metals out of his body. And amazingly, uh, it worked. So basically, you get on a regimen with Seth where you're helping to withdraw these toxins from the body, we often speak in medical circles about chelation, binding up these toxins and, and flushing them from the system. And, and so you go about this process, and did you immediately notice improvement? It was in a short time that we did. We, you mentioned chelation. Uh, Seth, he was given was a natural sulfur-based medication that was designed to remove heavy metals. It was a chelation, chelation therapy to remove the heavy metals out of his bloodstream. And within a very short time, as we started doing this, his sleeping patterns completely changed. Prior to that, when he would go to sleep at night, he would jerk all over the bed. Mm -hmm. He would be over here, over there, somewhere else. He would often wake up and cry. And once we started the uh, the chelation therapy and and focused on removing the heavy metals from his body and from his brain, he he began to sleep. One time he slept uh, all night in the same place uh, shortly after this uh, therapy began, and this was phenomenal. And so my wife and I decided in in a short time that we were going to um, monitor his brain waves Mm -hmm. as a result of the chelation therapy. So we took him back to the hospital, and he had another uh, EEG where his brain patterns were looked at, and within a short time after the the chelation therapy, his brain 
waves began to calm down. Mm. And so that led us to completely take him off the medication and to believe that we were going in the right direction. And that, that's, what, that's what worked. No, and I appreciate your, your testimony, Steve, because in medical circles uh, over the years, I've been doing this for a long time as well as many of my colleagues, sometimes people will hear the term chelation therapy, and it's been used in circumstances where there were questionable grounds for using those practices. But there is no question, you were seeing an MD, as I read your book, who was a toxicologist, and if someone has heavy metal poisoning, we need to get those metals out of the body. So this is not some kind of uh, a quack treatment, but you, were, you, know, you had a firm diagnosis, and the doctor uh, was actually treating you with the standard of care, if you will, to address heavy metal poisoning. That's exactly right. And after a short time of doing this circulation therapy, his brain patterns changed, and that, that showed up on the EEG. And it was read by a doctor, and the diagnosis of epilepsy was reversed mm. because his brain patterns had so improved. It's interesting, uh, David. We tested my daughter, too. She mm -hmm. was uh, very young at that time. And we tested her as well, and she was very elevated in heavy metals. And we started giving her chelation therapy. And there was one time where I, I remember still, uh, it's kind of a personal story, I was changing her diaper mm -hmm. after she was going through this chelation therapy. And I tell you, the smell that came out of that diaper was not just normal. It was very metallic. Wow. I, could, I could smell the heavy metals. It was very different. And so we did it to her, and all of us were tested, and we were all elevated. Uh, with heavy metals. And mm -hmm. so I believe that, you know, we, we get metals through the food supply, through the water supply, through just a lot of things that we don't even think about. And in, in our case, and especially in Seth's case, uh, focusing on getting these metals out of his body, changed his EEG, resulted in us taking him off medication. He hasn't had a seizure now for the last two and a half years. He's been medication-free. And to me, in our family, in our personal situation, we have been winning the war against my son's seizures through natural means. No, I mean, this is exciting. And I'll tell you, for someone who reads the public health literature, this subject of heavy metal exposure is not unusual. Sometimes the exposures are unusual. For whatever reason, I'm thinking of a story I read in one of the public health journals some years ago. There had been a fellow who, for whatever reason, had a bunch of liquid mercury in his house, spilled it. It was actually in an apartment, spilled it, didn't tell anyone, and uh, didn't clean it up properly. But there was nothing visible in the apartment. When, another, when he moved out and another family moved in, their children got these extremely high levels of mercury, heavy metal poisoning, which caused, in their cases, sadly, irreversible neurologic problems. But the whole point is... We can just be blindsided in the environment we're in, and we could be exposed to things that we have absolutely no idea we're exposing ourselves to. Isn't that the case? That's, that's right. And the body is designed to eliminate poisons on a regular basis. We eliminate through our bowels, through our kidneys, through our skin, even through our breath. And part of the, the focus of, uh, of natural remedies and natural strategies is to assist the body in its ability to detoxify itself. And, and many times, uh, this kind, you know, if we know what we're doing and if we do it right, and if we make practical decisions to improve our health, uh, our bodies will heal themselves and we won't need the medications, uh, certain medications, and our health will improve. And we can, again, save ourselves a lot of money, a lot of suffering, go into the doctor, and we can prolong our lives so we don't uh, end up six feet under before our time. 
Well, Steve, you make a strong case for this in the book. And what I think is remarkable is even though you find that you have this heavy metal exposure, your son has it, you, you know, your, your whole family's got it, you're treating it, your blood pressure is going to end up normalizing without medication. You've already told us Seth's seizures are gone. But you didn't stop there with just doing chelation therapy. Your book spells out a whole program of simple, natural things that everyone can do. How did you make that connection? Well, it started uh, with Seth's seizures. It motivated me to do a lot of homework on this topic. I mean, there's nothing that moves a dad more than seeing the suffering of his child. And I wanted Seth to stop having seizures. Mm -hmm. And I was tired of seeing all these side effects in him bouncing around at night and waking up and holding his ears and screaming because of the medication, I just had to get an answer to this, to this problem. And so as a result of trying to solve my son's seizure problem, that resulted in me just doing a lot of research on basic health principles that apply to my son and my daughter and my wife and myself. Tremendous. And that eventually uh, resulted in my zeroing in on what we call the eight laws of health. We've got to talk about these eight laws of health in detail, but we've got to step away. I'm talking with Steve Wolberg, author of End Times Health War. Coming up in our next segment, eight practical strategies that you can use to boost your health, prevent disease, reverse disease. It's all coming up in our next segment. Don't go away. I'm Dr. DeRose. We'll be back in just a moment. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So, whether it's around your neighborhood... Or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute, since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more.
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose and with Steve Wolberg, author of End Times Health War. We're speaking about simple things that you can do that can make a difference as far as your health, either reversing disease or preventing it altogether. If you're just joining us, Steve has been sharing an amazing journey. It's a compelling journey, and I'll admit, as I read through the book End Times Health War, I was engaged by your own uh, challenges, Steve, as well as uh, the drama that played out with your son. It's so exciting that we can be on this side of the story and be talking about things that actually have helped both of you to control those situations medication-free. Steve, for those who haven't been with us from the beginning of the show, or, or they have been, they're interested in the book, we haven't told how they can get a copy. How does someone go about picking up End Times Health War? Well, it's available on Amazon.com, which is probably the simplest way. A lot of people buy books on Amazon. Uh, they can also get it at our our website, which is whitehorsemedia.com, whitehorsemedia.com, and they can call. We have a toll-free number, which is 800-78-BIBLE, 800-78-BIBLE. Those are three simple ways. Many people know you, Steve, because you have a kind of a reputation for speaking around the country, around the world. You deal with a lot of practical subjects, but as it comes through in the book, this is not a, I wouldn't say it's a preachy book, but you're a person who comes from a a Christian faith perspective, and there are these references to the Bible in the book, and and I'll be honest, uh, someone, I know both our backgrounds, we weren't individuals that uh, grew up in homes where the family was studying the Bible. Uh, I was an agnostic. I think you described yourself perhaps the same in your younger years, am I right? I don't even know if I'd use the word agnostic. I never even thought about it. I, I have a Jewish background, and but my family was very, very secular, and so we didn't go to the synagogue. Uh, we didn't go to church. We didn't pray. We didn't read the Bible. It was just, you know, very secular. And when I reached my teenage years, I started having a lot of, a lot of spiritual struggles. And when I was 20, I began to read the Bible and started praying. And as a result of this, my life completely changed. Well, I, I appreciate your story, and some of our listeners uh, immediately relate to that. I have many others from traditional Native American perspectives or other backgrounds. They say, well, we won't hold that against you, Steve. But but the point is, I think it is interesting, as you're talking about these health principles, that you actually see that they are underscored by these biblical principles. And I only mention it because that toll-free number is pretty distinctive, one 800 78 Bible, it's obvious that that's something of, of value in your worldview today. That's right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm now a pastor, and like I said, I pray a lot, and I believe that as human beings down here in this world that we need help, uh, that you know, it's not enough to try to just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, that you know, we often think we can do it on our own, but we really do need uh, supernatural assistance, and God is there ready to help us with our problems. Well, even though that principle is woven into these eight health habits, seven of them uh, don't have anything to do, at least on the surface, with any kind of spiritual conviction. Tell us about these eight natural therapies that anyone can apply, at least the first seven anyone can apply, regardless of what their spiritual perspective is. And uh, you actually, I think, make a good case in the book that it can help anybody's health. What are they? Yes, uh, one of the chapters in the book is called Eight Weapons for Winning the War. 
winning the war, and it's based upon, those eight weapons are based upon a word. It's, uh, it's called an acronym, and it's called, the word is New Start. And each letter in New Start points to one of those weapons. And the first letter N stands for nutrition, good, healthy nutrition, eating more real food instead of junk food. And then the E is exercise, uh, getting the body moving, whether it's just even walking. Uh, the W for in new stands for water, drinking enough water to help cleanse the system. And then there's S for sunshine, T for temperance or uh, avoiding things that are bad and eating things that are good. Doing things that are good in the air, the A is for fresh air, and the R is rest, and the last T is trust in God. So, Steve, you go through each of these eight weapons for winning the war, and one of the things uh, that I thought was uh, was quite useful, actually there's a number of very practical things in there, but um, you make a statement uh, here. I mean, you got a lot of you know catchy sayings as you're speaking about nutrition. That's the first one. Uh, you've got things like uh, many dig their graves with their teeth. The longer the shelf life, the shorter your life. And uh, the whiter the bread, the sooner you're dead. Tell us uh, why you like these uh, pithy little sayings. Well, I think they get people's attention. I think they're <laughs> they're practical, and I didn't make them up. Uh, I found them in my in my research. And what these basic weapons are are simple things that most people know they should be doing, and that in the medical community they're recognized as uh, as just very practical ways to improve our health, but which most of us just aren't doing. You know, we need to, to learn to make better choices as far as what we eat, and we need to get off the couch, and we need to walk and get some exercise. We need to drink enough water instead of soda. We need to get enough sunlight to help boost the body and the immune system. We need to say no to things that are bad for us. We need to make sure that we're not uh, breathing, you know, polluted air all the time and that we're getting enough rest uh, at night, we're not burning the midnight oil. In, in the days, David, when I used to be really wild as a teenager, one time I, I was in a restroom and I saw a little note that somebody had put inside the restroom. And I think it was about 2 in the morning when this happened, and the note said, uh, he who soars or he who hoots with the owls at night cannot soar with the eagles in the morning. <laughs> and that really it stuck, it stuck with me all these years, that we need to get a good night's sleep. And then, of course, the last one, uh, trust in God, is because often we know what we need to be doing, but we just don't do it because we don't have enough willpower, and that's where we need strength from God to help us to make these practical choices to improve our health. Steve, you speak a lot about diet, and you weave that in with uh, this comprehensive program in a number of ways. Not only do you cover nutrition in general, but then you give some specifics, uh, things that you call special forces. Tell us about your overall approach to nutrition as you read the literature and saw things make a difference in your life and in your family's lives. Sure. Uh, based on all the research that I've done and what, we're, what my family's doing practically, uh, I believe that the more real food we eat instead of just merchandise is actually what's best for the body. I mean, you know, you can take apple candy, but it's not, it's not, applesauce is better, but eating an apple is, is even better. Mm -hmm. They say an apple a day keeps the doctor away. And so there's so much processed junk food available to us through slick advertising and through the fast food chains. 
that we need to eat more real food, real fruits, grains, nuts, vegetables. Uh, and I also, as you mentioned, the special forces, because our soil is depleted and because we're not getting enough nutrition uh, these days, uh, I've, I've come to believe that growing your own food and even growing things like sprouts and, and juicing fresh uh, fruits and vegetables, that this gives the body additional energy and additional uh, nutritional power to help the immune system to fight disease. And End Time Health Work goes into some very practical suggestions about how people can do this in their own homes. I found that very interesting about your book. You know, I've recommended for years, and, and you know this because you and I have crossed paths in, in various settings. I mean, I've recommended very similar things about people moving to values that, let's face it, indigenous Native Americans have valued for, for centuries, and that means eating more of those whole plant foods in particular. But one thing I didn't really think too much about, honestly, until I read your book, is that although a lot of our listeners are listening in rural areas, they may be listening today from a reservation, they may have opportunity to, to grow foods because they have some land available, but more and more people today are moving to cities. And I found it so interesting that you give a lot of practical suggestions how someone even living in an apartment on the 55th floor with uh, the tiniest of balconies or maybe no balcony can actually grow living food in their home. Did, did I read that right, or was I just imagining things? No, that's correct. You can go to the store and you can get a bag of garbanzo beans for just pennies. And uh, in my book, I explain how to take those garbanzo beans, put them in a jar, soak them overnight, rinse them a couple times a day, and in two or three days, those garbanzo beans start growing, and they're they're live, they're full of nutrition. The nutrition is... is uh, multiplying rapidly and then you just pour them on top of your salad and put some good salad dressing on there and you've just put a lot of live nutrition into your body which boosts your immune system so even if you don't have a garden or an orchard there's still some simple practical things that you can do that uh, are easy and don't cost a lot of money to help build up your health so your body can fight disease and you can live longer now, Steve, let's talk to those folks who like me. I think years ago I tried to do some sprouting for a while, and I thought with my busy schedule, maybe I was, I don't know what it was. I thought it was just too much work, I guess. But the way you explain it, it, it sounds really simple and doesn't take much time. Can you give us just in a nutshell how involved it is to do your own sprouting? Yeah, it's very easy. Of course, you can, you can do it more, uh, a little more complicated. You can grow microgreens and wheatgrass, but... There's also very simple things, like I mentioned garbanzo beans. You can do the same thing with lentils. Lentils are, you can buy lentils in bags in just about any market, and lentils sprout really easy. All you do is put a cup or two in a jar, soak them overnight. They will start expanding. You pour out the water, and then for the next couple of days, you rinse them uh, twice a day, and those little lentils will start expanding. They'll start growing. They'll start growing tails. And they're great in salads, and it's very simple, David. You, you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist or an agricultural expert. You could do it in your own home for pennies a day in a very short time, uh, and it's something we can all do. And, and my book goes into practical details on what to do. Let me see if I've got this, because I, I'm really motivated enough from having recently read your book to actually do this. Uh, even though I travel quite a bit, I'll, I'll see if I can you know, get some of the other family members on the team. But all I've got to do is take some of those lentils, say uh, 
I'm going to put a cup in a quart canning jar. We've got some of those around. Rinse those off initially, and then did I get the equation right? About twice as much water as as beans. Is that what we do? Yes, that's right. That's right. You just take you know a couple cups of lentils, put them in any jar really, and then you just double the water. So the water is uh, you know twice as high as the seeds. And yeah, now you typically do this at night. I let them sit overnight. In the morning, you'll see that the seeds have gone up and the water's gone down because the seeds have expanded. They're now growing. And then you just pour out the water mm-hmm. and you stick them under the sink. And then in the evening, you rinse them. In the morning, you rinse them. In the evening, you rinse them. In the morning, you rinse them. And after two or three days, those things are just growing, uh, growing away. And right into the salad they go. Very simple, David. Anybody can do it. So, so you mean all? So, I'm, I'm just leaving them in the jar the whole time. You don't have to spread them out or in anything. You nope, just nothing. Rinse nothing. them it off. Only takes. I mean, with your busy schedule, if you travel or even if you, you know, it's typically three days, three or four days, three days, uh, two, two or three days to grow your, your garbanzo sprouts. Uh, probably three days to grow the lentils. Mung beans sprout really well. Very simple. You can buy them in the market. There's a whole host of seeds. You can buy sunflower seeds. I just started a sunflower seed batch uh, last night. Wow. I poured some just raw sunflower seeds in there. there. Those have been hulled. So you take the hulls out, put them in the jar, put twice as much water, soak them overnight, and, it, and after two or three days of just rinsing them, those little seeds have been, uh, they're sprouting tails, they're growing, and right into the salad or the morning cereal they go. Great stuff. we got to step away once more. Steve Wolberg, our guest, more practical pointers, things you can do at home that can ramp up your health. Stay tuned. We will be back with more. I'm Dr. DeRose. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand, and someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. 
I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose for our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. My guest, Steve Wahlberg. Steve is the speaker-director of Whitehorse Media. He's the author of the book that we've been focusing on throughout this program, End Times Health War. And before we stepped away, we were speaking about sprouts. Steve has been getting me excited about sprouting some uh, grains and seeds right in my own home. Steve, you make a case for this. I think quite eloquently you quote a lot of scientific authorities, but you give a host of reasons why everybody should be thinking about sprouting. Can you give us a few of those? Yes. uh, Because of the way food is grown uh, in America and around the world on soil, Again and again and again and again, the soil is inevitably becoming depleted, and we're not getting enough minerals and nutrition in the food that we're getting even from the supermarket. So when you when you take a seed, a, a seed, and you sprout it in your home, uh, studies have shown that those little sprouts multiply vitamins. They they multiply minerals. And so you, when you put those sprouts on your salad or on your sandwich you are getting a, a massive amount of core nutrition that your body needs that you might not be getting from a tomato in the market. Hmm. You, you know, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. A lot of people, and I've even had some of them want to be on this radio show, when they start talking about the depleted soil, most of them want to turn around and sell my listeners a bunch of expensive supplements. And just to be honest with you, I'm not there. I don't think you can make a case for that. But what's so appealing about the message you're giving, Steve, is you're not trying to sell anyone anything expensive. You're not, uh, you know, hawking stuff that you carry on your website. You're just telling people, start growing your own stuff. And one of the simplest things you can do, even if you don't have a backyard, is you can get these seeds and you can sprout them in your own home and you can optimize your nutrition so simply. That's right. That's exactly right. I, I do it myself. My kids, they love to eat my sprouts. And it's good for them. And my kids don't get sick a lot. Well, you know, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i tell you something else, Steve, because one of the best testimonies you gave about sprouting in the book was just what you reiterated right now, that your kids actually love many of these sprouts. I mean, they got to taste good, don't they? They do. They do. Some taste better than others. But if you use you know, a little bit of seasoning on your salad with uh, you know avocado and lemon and certain things like that, uh, this, this, the salad tastes great. And again, you're getting... You're getting real-life food instead of merchandise that's been sitting on a shelf perhaps 10 years. Steve, I'm looking at page 124 of your book. You're quoting a registered dietitian there who says, Sprouts provide spectacular amounts of the antioxidant vitamins, which are far more effective than using supplements. Why are you so interested, other than what we've been talking about is you know, depleted soil, and, you know, people could argue back and forth about that. But 
why else are you interested in trying to optimize these antioxidants and what we call phytochemicals, these health-giving compounds in the body? Well, I want to improve my own health. I want to improve the health of my family. I want to keep us alive longer. I want to live happier. I mean, all the basic reasons. Mm. Uh, I, I believe that food, real food as grown, is much better for the body than, than chemicals. And rather than taking a lot of medication or buying a lot of expensive vitamins, if we put enough real food into our body and if we follow the eight laws of health, if we drink enough water, get enough exercise, and get a good night's sleep, our bodies are going to respond and we're going to be healthier. And I'd rather, uh, I, I like growing sprouts. I, I like them on my salad. I like juicing carrots and, uh, and beets and cucumbers and getting a lot of uh, concentrated nutrition into this aging body of mine. It helps. It works. I feel a difference. Well, Steve, one of the chapters in your book that we haven't touched on that really relates to this whole issue of good things in the diet versus bad is Chapter 4. You call it End Times Report, Planet Earth is Toxic. And as I read through that, you're quoting physicians, you're quoting national health agencies. What conclusion did you come to that you crystallized in that chapter? The conclusion is that we have a lot of forces stacked up against us. You know, the issue of depleted soil, <clears throat> David, I've got my own garden growing, and I've got a lot of uh, things on top of my, my beds, and so they break down, and I've got earthworms in my garden, and I think you can build a case that if the soil's good, you're going to have healthier plants. Mm -hmm. But it's not just the soil. We know that the water, look at what's happening in Flint, Michigan. Wow. We know that a lot of the water is infected with lead and, and uh, heavy metals. We know that the air, I grew up in Los Angeles. There were days I wasn't allowed to go uh, outside and play because the smog was so thick. Uh, and so we know that with the water, the air, the soil, the food, a lot of it is uh, affected by toxins, poisons, chemicals, pollutants, etc. And so it just makes sense to strengthen the body with live nutrition and healthy practices to help the body to fight against the diseases that come from all of these chemicals. Great point. I mean, as I read the book, End Times, Health War, you're making the case, don't be a victim. We're in serious times, but we can all take charge. Steve, you mentioned something to me, though, at one of the breaks that isn't in the book, and it has to do with an epidemic that is sweeping not only Indian country, but every population group that I know of that's being studied shows rising rates as we age with this disease. It's now labeled an epidemic. It's diabetes. You have gathered some insights into this condition and lifestyle as well, haven't you? Yes. Uh, my father... He's still alive. He's 87. His feet are a nightmare. He, he can hardly walk these days. Uh, he's, he's severely diabetic. He's been diabetic for a long time. And I discovered last fall through taking a glucose tolerance test, testing my sugar levels after a fasting and then taking a sugar drink, that my own blood sugar, it was up to as high as 160. And then after two hours, it was at 140, which puts me right on the edge of what's called pre-diabetes. Mm -hmm. And that was a real wake-up call to me, David. And I have learned as a result of that, that I can control my own blood sugar and keep it down way out of uh, diabetic territory by eating whole grains, and by eating certain of the right kind of fruits, like uh, apples and grapefruits, as compared to a uh, papaya. And I've learned that different kinds of foods that I can eat, I can control my blood, my blood sugar naturally without medication. And mm -hmm. it's been a journey for me, 
but I've learned a lot, and uh, I'm committed to staying away from the drugs and helping myself with natural, wise choices. Steve, I think the other thing that really shines with your book, and I've alluded to this a number of times, is the practical suggestions. You use a practical suggestion for a rule of thumb on a minimum amount of water to drink per day. And what struck me is I was giving a a lecture to a public group uh, just a few days ago. I used that very same illustration because I've used it myself many times. What is that equation that you're uh, that you're promoting as a minimum amount of water to yeah, drink? Yeah, it's half the body weight in ounces. And you can buy uh, a container from Walmart and just make sure you have enough water in there in the morning and drink the water during the day, and you'll be fine. And water is so valuable. I mean, the whole 70 to 80% of the body is water. The brain, is a lot of it is water. And your whole, all your cells function in an environment of water. And if you have enough water, you'll be able to uh, eliminate a lot of things that are in the bloodstream that are, are toxic and dangerous. And there's a whole host of benefits to drinking water. So let's see if we got the equation right. You're saying take half your weight in pounds. So if someone weighs 160, they'd be drinking 80 what? 80 ounces. 80 right? ounces. Right? Yeah, no, that's right. That's what I. That's how I, I use it. Yeah, but, and, and, I mean, there's of course, there's room for variation, so it's not an exact science, but the point is to drink enough water. And, and they say the rule of thumb is that when you go to the bathroom, when you urinate, uh, it, should, it should be clear. Okay. And I find that when I drink enough water, I can also have a bowel movement to much more regularly and much easier than when I don't have enough water. No, it's true. One of the main causes of constipation is dehydration. Real good point. Steve, our time has just about slipped away from us. You've already given us a lot of practical insights. I know there's a lot more in your book. Some are just joining us. They're wondering how to get a copy of End Times Health War. How do they do it? Yes, the simplest way is Amazon.com. We also have our own website, whitehorsemedia.com. That's our website, whitehorsemedia.com. We have a toll-free number. People can call if they want, 800-78-BIBLE, 800-78-BIBLE. We do believe in God. We believe in practical solutions to life's problems. And End Times Health War is loaded with practical information to help people improve their health and survive uh, the war against our bodies. Great, Steve. Listen, before we, we slip away, the website again, whitehorsemedia.com, correct? Correct. That's right. Are there other resources there? I mean, can people listen to your interviews, watch some of your programming? Is that all freely available there, or is it just things for sale that you have? Yes, we have a YouTube channel, and then we, people can access it through our site. Uh, we have links on our site, youtube.com forward slash whitehorsemedia. We also have links to uh, radio interviews that I've been on or audio messages that I've given. So people can watch or listen to most of what we've done for free. Great. Uh, and, and in addition, we have our products as well. Great. Steve Wolberg, thank you so much. That's been Steve Wolberg, author of End Times Health War. For more information, again, you can get the book on Amazon or you can go to his website, whitehorsemedia.com. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.